Hello, everyone. This is Russ Gausel, Chronicles of the End Times. So glad to be with you again. Uh, today, we're going to start a series on the book of Revelation. It's something that I have been teaching for well over 30 years and uh, never really incorporated in a podcast. I've had uh, many requests to do so. Uh, so we're going to look through the book together. And there are things that are in the book of Revelation that have not yet been revealed. And those who uh, have been studying this, some of you out there uh, know that. And uh, not everybody has all the answers. Only God has all the answers. But he has given us a lot in the book of Revelation and throughout the entire Bible. So whenever we study the book of Revelation, it's not just the book of Revelation or even just the book of Daniel, which is uh, parallels to it in many ways. But it's an entire study from Genesis to Revelation because it is the attitude of God, you know, the his plan, what he has for us, uh, and it shows his great love and compassion as well. So the book of Revelation is not just about destruction and the end of the world, like many, many people feel it is. It's, it is a book that reveals Jesus Christ. In fact, it's the apocalypse, as many people say, but really the word apocalypse means to reveal, to uncover, and to discover. And so uh, we're going to look at uh, the book of Revelation, and we're going to learn and discover and have new revelations of who Jesus Christ is and how awesome he is. And uh, there's also a blessing to go along with this book. So let's begin with Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the providence of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who was to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Wow, the Holy Spirit has a way of getting our attention, doesn't he? Right from the first verse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants what must soon take place. So right from the beginning, we know why it was given to us. Because God wanted to reveal himself and the plans that he has for this planet, and for those who love him. And John verifies everything by saying, you know, I testified to these things. I saw these things. You know, and John loved Jesus, and he walked with Jesus very close when he was on this earth. So he testifies to the fact that, yeah, this is good stuff. This is real. This is from the Spirit of God. And then he says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So this book comes with a blessing. You could say, well, of course, the whole Bible comes with a blessing. 
you know, we should read the Word of God and study the Word of God, absolutely. But this particular book comes with a blessing for those who hear it and those who read it. And I find that very interesting, that God wants us to know this book. And I believe that this is why the enemy has hidden this book from so many people, because he doesn't want them to know more about Jesus Christ. He doesn't want them to know more about God's plan, and in in some cases, his plan as well. You know, so it's people, they just run from it. They say, oh, you know, it's a lot of imagery. You know, you really don't can't understand it. You have to be you know, a Greek scholar and, and you know, a Hebrew scholar and a Latin scholar and all this, you know, to really know. So you should just stay away from that book. And for many years, that's how it was. I remember when I first started teaching this book, it was only uh, by the move of the Holy Spirit that I was able to start teaching it even in the church that I was at because it was looked at as, you know, maybe we could bring in, you know, a great professor from somewhere and he could begin to try to make us uh, understand, you know, what's really is being said. But that's not the way God intended it. God wanted everyday people to read it. And do we need an understanding of the Word of God and a certain amount of depth and study? Absolutely. You can't just arbitrarily just read it and like so many have. And look how many thousands of books have been written out there that are in error because of that. But still... It's a book that should be read, and those who read it will be blessed. And so let's let's go on. He addresses to the seven churches in Asia. And this is interesting, too, because you see sevens come up a number of times. He said this is addressed to the seven churches in Asia, and from the seven spirits before his throne, before the throne of Jesus Christ. And these seven spirits are not individual spirits. Um, they are the Spirit of God, the sevenfold, the complete Spirit of God. Uh, and we see this as well, this uh, testimony of Isaiah in chapter 11, uh, verses 2 and 3. Uh, let's read that together. It says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So this is the sevenfold spirit of God that's going to rest in his prophecy upon Jesus Christ, who is the branch who shall come forth. And obviously that prophecy was fulfilled on what we celebrate as Christmas in Bethlehem when Jesus Christ came as the Messiah to Israel and to the rest of the world. And it goes on to say that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. That kind of says it all. I think we forget sometimes in this world that we live in, this world of chaos at times, that he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. And no matter what's going on in this world, God is in control. It may seem like there is no control and that God may sometimes be on vacation or something, but it's not so. God is in control of every detail, and he is coming back to fulfill every prophecy and everything he said. In Jeremiah, it states that he watches over his word to perform it. So you don't have to worry. God is in control, and he's looking down on us. 
And so John goes on to tell us that he's made us a kingdom of priests. John is rejoicing. Put yourself in his shoes where he is, you know, abandoned out there on the Isle of Patmos. And he is just glorying in this great revelation and to hear from his Savior and his friend. And he goes on to say, look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Well, we know this is a reference to Zechariah 12.10. Let's read that together. It says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Wow, what a powerful scene. We'll get into that more in detail as we go further in the book of Revelation. But we see that John is referencing through the power of the Holy Spirit a lot of places in the Bible. And that's why I say that to study the book of Revelation is to read from Genesis to Revelation and have uh, a general understanding of Bible prophecy and what, how the pieces fit, how the Holy Spirit works it out. So let's read on. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Wow. John is having a most incredible vision, and he sees the one who's speaking with him, and it's Jesus Christ himself. Sitting on this island where he has been exiled, the Romans used Patmos and numerous other remote islands where the prisoners had no legal rights but were held indefinitely without charge or trial, subject solely to the whim of the Roman Empire. And according to history, John was sent there in about the year 95 by the emperor Domitian, but was released less than two years later. John would by that time have been well over 90 years old, making him very likely the only apostle to survive in old age. All the rest were martyred. John had been banished and left to die on this island because he would not compromise the word of God. But as the Lord does on all occasions... He takes what Satan meant for evil and turns it into good. 
Just imagine how John feels. The last time he saw Jesus in the flesh, he was with the other apostles, and Jesus was ascending into heaven. And just prior to that, they were sitting on the beach together, and Jesus had just cooked them some fish. Now here he sees Jesus in this incredible glorified state, and it just rocks him. He's just like powerless. He falls like as dead before him. He had no strength. The power of God and the presence of God was so strong. But yet, this is the same Jesus that ate dinner with him. The same Jesus that he laid his head upon his shoulder. And so he says to him, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Wow, that just must have meant so much to John after seeing this powerful revelation. And we see that He wants John to take this message to the seven churches. And these seven churches represent, down through history, all the different types of churches that there are. And I'm sure as we look through this, and we look through these letters in our next podcast, you might see your own church there, hopefully in a good light. But if not, then you know what needs to be done. And so John sees this image of Jesus Christ and all his glory walking among these lampstands. And these lampstands represent the churches. And so here we see that Jesus does walk among the churches, the churches that are alive, that is. Those that just have a form of godliness and going through the the motions and have lost their first love and lost their zeal for God and have gone astray, well, I doubt if he's walking through them anymore. It's important for us to know that God does walk through our churches and he's in our midst always. What a comfort that is. So let's look at these last three verses in chapter one. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so here we see in these last three verses of chapter 1 that the Lord is saying, I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. He's testifying again. He's saying, I am the living one. I am that I am. And I hold the keys of death in the grave. No one else holds those keys. The devil doesn't hold those keys any longer. God has taken the fear of death away from the enemy because of his precious blood and because of our salvation and the life that is to come. And we should live in that. We shouldn't live in fear. We should live in the hope that Christ has given us. And he goes on to say that write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. This is an important verse in verse 19 because he's telling him, look, you write what you have seen and now write what is now and what will soon take place later. So he's telling them, you write what's now. You write what's going on in these seven churches, what I want to say to instruct these seven churches. But then after that, you're going to write what takes place later. So there is a, there's a, there's a definite 
divide here. So he's telling them, you know, write down everything that I'm showing you and write what is now. And then after that, you're done with that. I want you to write what's going to take place later. So this is what God is saying. There's, there's, a, there's a message here that I'm going to write to the churches. And when I'm done writing to the churches, I'm going to tell you what's going to take place down the line in the last days. And he goes on to tell them that the mystery of the seven stars that you saw on my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angel of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And many believe that these angels of the seven churches that Jesus is referring to are the pastors of those churches. And this is a possibility, but it's also a possibility that there are actual angels that watch over the churches of Jesus Christ. And I believe that they are, that is so. I mean, there's angels that watch over us as individuals, and I believe that there's angels that are assigned to churches. And just like we learn in Ephesians about the powers of darkness and the principalities in heavenly places, that there are demonic forces. In the same vein, there are angelic forces that are assigned regions and areas and individuals and churches uh, that God uses. So God does walk among us. And that is something that we need to remember. God is present in our churches, watching over and guiding by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we should, as John did when he saw Jesus in all his glory, and though the power of God was so awesome, Jesus rested his hand upon him and said, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. And so in this world today, with all its chaos and all the fear that is going on in people's hearts, we should take peace from these messages from Jesus that don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Do not fear. The king is coming. All is in his hand. And you are in the palm of his hand, if you love him today. Great to be with you again. This is Russ Galzo the Chronicles of the End Times. You have a great day. Praying for you. God bless. Till next time.